Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, I have Rahul here from Connecticut, and Alex from Massachusetts. Gentlemen, there's a lot to cover today, and we'll get into the Euros, which everybody's itching to hear about in a few minutes here, but why don't we start with the Copa America? So guys, first of all, welcome. Rahul, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You sure? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> You've chosen a good background. We'll get to that later today, like mm -hmm. I've said. Alex, how's it going, buddy? Doing pretty well. That's, I'm sure it's going well <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right, like I said, we'll start with the Copa America. There's a little bit of giggles going on because we know we're going to jump into the Euros in a few minutes. But Raul, why don't you take us through the Argentina versus Brazil, which is a fiery fixture on its own. It is indeed, and it got even fiery even more fiery, I beg your pardon, in a final of the Copa America that Brazil were the holders playing at home at the Maracana, hosting Argentina. Uh, and this was billed as the, obviously the big final, but also Messi versus Neymar. Uh, and even though Messi didn't score the goal and Neymar obviously couldn't get onto the score sheet, Argentina do go ahead and win this tournament. Uh, and Messi, Messi finally ends his bad luck or the voodoo that was on him uh, for not being able to win a trophy with Argentina. And what an excellent goal from Angel Di Maria, of course, ending 1-0. Alex, your thoughts on this final? Yeah, I, I didn't get to see all of it. I was on a road trip, but I stopped at a gas station for the last 10 minutes because I said, if, if this is when Messi finally lifts his international trophy, I want to be able to say, tell my grandchildren I win <laughs> this historic moment. Um, but it was it was good. I... I was glad I did it. I will say the last 10 minutes had more diving than I've ever seen in my life from Fair both enough, teams. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, you'd have like the, the play would stop every 20 or 30 seconds and you'd have two players rolling on both teams somewhere on the pitch. It was quite something. It wasn't the prettiest end to it, but it was entertaining. What can I say? The game opened up as games do when one team's chasing the game. Um, there were some counterattacks. I was absolutely uh, shocked that that Messi couldn't quite pull off that final chance. Uh, he, he, he tried to round the keeper, lost his footing and couldn't quite seal it, but the job still got done. So congrats to him. And, and as I was talking to someone earlier today, this really does. I don't know. I think whether or not you're a massive Messi fan, I think a lot of people are. But even, even if you aren't, I think we can at least appreciate uh, a nice way to cap off the career of a truly magical player who we've had the pleasure of watching. So well done to him. Well done to the team. Um, and this is, I guess, yeah, as Rahul said, the breaking of Argentina's international voodoo. Rahul, does this give Messi the title of greatest of all time? And now we typically know who he's up against. You know, there's other names out there, but in this case, he was up against a friend now a foe in Neymar, is he the greatest of all time? It's a tough question because there's so many good players. Obviously, you're touching on Ronaldo, you're touching on Neymar. Um, we've no Pelé, Maradona. But from what we've seen in our generation, he's got to be up there. Uh, he's now added an international trophy to his cabinet, his winning medals. Uh, and so the argument for him being up there as one of the greatest is definitely uh, in his favor. 
longest time it was oh he doesn't do it in Argentina well he's done it uh, and I know he didn't score but he still finished top goal scorer player of the tournament uh, and so he's still at the age of 34 I believe doing the doing what he's supposed to be doing for his country and it was I was really I was looking at a, a, an Instagram picture and I think his heartbreak with Argentina started back in like 2006. I did yeah. So it's been a long long road he's retired he's come back he's retired uh, but finally, it's happened. Do you know, I have a slightly different opinion on the whole match. And, and not the fact that Messi is an amazing player. I'm not going to take that away from him. I think he's one of the best I've ever seen in this generation. And probably for any generation that has come about watching football. I think where I struggled with the whole situation is Argentina is made up of 26 players that went to the Copa America and every single one of them was incredible. I mean, Di Maria scored an amazing goal. Di Paul, what credit that guy gets playing that wing up and down nonstop. He was probably a, a good name or a good shout out for player of the tournament coming up and down. Otamendi was a steal in the back of that Argentina defense. I mean, we can call out so many names. And I think where I struggled was every single one of these players put their bodies, their talent, their effort on the line. And when the final whistle blows, the headlines, the news articles, all of the mention is, you know, you'd love to see this. Messi has won a title. No, Messi has not won a title. Messi is part of a group, an amazing group that has won the title. Does he deserve it on the grand scheme of things? Absolutely, Rahul. You touched on it going back to 2006. But it's a little bit frustrating to watch what happened, especially given the way the final played out. I thought Neymar was the better player of the two that had the final. I think he got so many tackles and so many hits that entire game. And he almost tried to carry Brazil at one point. But credit to, to Argentina as a team. I think credit is due to them. It's just a little bit difficult to watch that all the plaudits go to Lionel Messi. And rightly so, he's a great player. But it wasn't his tournament alone. He had 25 supporting casts that really helped him. And Alex, I'll bring you in for this discussion. Yeah, I mean, I, I see both of your points. I think personally, I, I understand why all the praise is going to him. I think it's, he, he was outstanding in this tournament. I mean, he was player of the tournament. He had the most goals, the most assists, the most shots, the most chances created. He uh, created 21 chances in this tournament, the most through balls. He was very, very good. Now, in the final, he didn't have his best game. We see that sometimes. Um, but, I mean, that's that's the beauty of, of a tournament, a longer competition, that you can be a fantastic player, have some fantastic games, um, and different people can show up in different games and, and claim the headlines. Um, I think it definitely is a, an accumulation of all the time that he has spent carrying, in, in some cases, Argentina. So I do understand it, seeing as he's been sometimes let down by his teammates. So I do think for that reason, now you need to appreciate that his teammates really did put in a great shift, as did he, and they all won it together. Though I will say personally, as for how I've always viewed this GOAT debate that we speak of, this almost fully solidifies what I've always said to people which is I don't really like to pick sides because I think too many people slander Ronaldo for the sake of praising Messi. I think they're both very good. If you put my back to a wall and force me to choose one, I'd probably say Messi. But the point I've always stood by is that if I wanted a player to win me one game, 
I would pick Cristiano Ronaldo. And if I wanted a player to win me a league title, I would pick Lionel Messi because I think Ronaldo was the king of clutch. I think he puts everything on the line for his team. And I think he, he, he would die to get a victory in, in a final, especially. But Messi produces moments of magic throughout competitions, as we saw here. So quiet final, yes, but he still ended with the most goals, most assists, most chances created player of the tournament. So two unbelievably good players in that conversation. Well done to Messi for capping off this achievement. Uh, maybe that's a bit of a cop-out of an answer, but I'm just trying to appreciate greatness while we have it. No, honestly, great analysis. Rahul, I'll take one more statement from you on Neymar, because for me, he really did pull his weight in that final. Neymar has been accused of maybe disappearing sometimes in big games, but he was excellent in that final. I mean, he was making driving runs. He would take the ball from deep and try and find passes. He was trying to almost carry Brazil, almost like Messi has done for Argentina. I thought he was very good. And a touch of class from him towards the end, because you could see how emotional he was but he still found the courage and the energy to walk over and give a warm embrace to Messi and say, look, friend, you've done it. You've won it. This is for you. Yeah. I mean, I, and for Neymar, he missed the last one when they won it in 2019, I believe he was out injured. So for him, this was his moment to show his country, his teammates that uh, he's the, he's there to win it as well. It didn't happen but he has another opportunity. I don't think Messi will have another opportunity, at least in the Copa America. I may be wrong. Uh, and to your point where there's 25 other people, I, I agree with you. It's a team sport. Uh, but at the end of the day, the headlines in the past have been Messi couldn't get it done. So when he's gotten it done or when Argentina have gotten it done, it's only fair that it's it's more about him. Again, no no disrespect to any of those guys. I think in the last game, like we mentioned on the podcast too, Emmy Martinez came up big and we gave him credit and the media did too. So, uh, but at the end of the day, when you pick up a newspaper or open an article, you gravitate towards Messi's name first. So uh, that's just the name of the game in terms of the headlines. Fair point. And congratulations to Argentina. Congratulations to Messi. He's definitely going to go down in history of one of the greatest football players to ever step foot on a football field. Now, let's move on to our favorite segment. And I see you smiling there, Rahul, so I'm going to stick with you for a second. We're going to go into the Euros. And we all know what happened. I mean, it's been incredible. And I see Alex chuckling over there as well. We talked about the major final of Italy versus England. And both of you gentlemen had a friendly wager going on as to who would apologize based on the result of the game. And we all know how that game went down, of course. Italy ends up winning the game. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, before we dis dissect the game, Rahul, I think apologies are due. They are. And I guess the... the bet was I had to apologize for fooling or, or confusing our listeners on Garrett Southgate's tactical awareness. And he didn't do himself any favors and he definitely didn't help me out. So uh, congratulations to Alex and Italy. Uh, he was actually spot on. He said 1-1, I believe. And then he said penalties, they would win it. So uh, maybe next time I do have to listen to him. But when we go further into this game, uh, I will share that even though Southgate got it wrong, he did bring England a lot further than a lot of great bigger managers and better managers have. 
All right, Alex, your initial thoughts on this whole result before we dive into the game. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I agree. Your your wonderful apology is accepted uh, for, you know, I, I don't think, admittedly, that was just to add a second part of the wager. I don't think you ever truly tried to delude our listeners. You weren't exactly calling Southgate the next Thomas Tuchel, let's be <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have, maybe my mind has been changed or not changed. Maybe my opinion has been influenced slightly by the, the hordes of angry English supporters, but I can at least appreciate for sure that Southgate did unite the players to some degree. And you talk about, we've talked plenty about how that, that hallowed golden generation of England stars um, that you guys watched growing up were not, they just did not come together on the big stage. Um, and here you have a bunch of people, a bunch of personalities, a bunch of top players who all seem to be really giving it everything for the squad. They weren't complaining when they got subbed. They were putting club rivalries aside. They were classy. They supported each other. And as you've seen, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but as we've seen after the match, they've been supporting each other uh, even in a, in a serious tough time and a tough loss. So you, you, I, I can fully give credit to Southgate for having united the England squad and having united the country really behind an impressive run, um, I still think between the World Cup and this Euros, England got easy draws. They were not always convincing, and they simply tactically did not do enough on the biggest stage. In 2018, they uh, gave up a one-goal lead against Croatia and let it slip. Here, they let it slip again. So... I'm, I'm not convinced, but, you know, respect to England and Southgate, I suppose, for getting as far as they did. Yeah, I definitely want to unpack that. But Rahul, I want to come back to you and maybe you can give us a quick synopsis of how the game played out. Yeah, so Southgate started with the back five. Uh, and we almost expected that because you knew he was going to keep it tight. He was going to uh, focus more on the wing backs. And actually one of those wing backs, Luke Shaw, who's actually been very good this tournament, uh, pops up with the goal in the second minute, which was very unexpected, not only because of the goal scorer, but just because of how early the goal comes. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, you know, you're feeling even more confident as a team, as, as someone that you're supporting uh, England and the fans in the stadium, okay, are starting to believe a little bit more. Uh, but you always knew with the quality that Italy had and just the way we've seen England set up in the past that it was going to turn into an attack versus defense. And Italy kept pushing, kept pushing, uh, and eventually found that goal. And from that point forward, I think England knew the goal was coming, but were still not able to be proactive and stop it. And they were just kept reacting to everything Italy was doing. And they just never got back into it. Extra time came, just back and forth. Penalties came, and we know we'll get into how that ended. But uh, overall, I think England, like Alex said, let it slip. Uh, you go a goal up at home, you've got to see that out. Uh, and go for the second, third, like Chelsea fans, I think Alex was saying before we started recording, we're very well aware of what it means to get the second goal. But uh, credit to Italy. we I don't think we've given them that credit yet, but credit to them, credit to Mancini, credit to the players. Uh, they stuck it out and got it through. Yeah, let me say this, guys. I think overall it ended up going to penalties. It finished 3-2, and maybe we'll jump into some of the details of the penalties. But Italy want brilliant by any means in the final. I think they were there and they were going to show up and they're going to give all. But 
maybe I have to agree with Alex in his analysis of, of Gareth Southgate and the fact that England started off well, Rahul, like you said, scores a goal two minutes in, which is, by the way, the fastest goal yeah. scored in the European Championship final. So you're all sitting here thinking this is going to be an incredible match for England. They're going to find it super easy. But for some reason or the other, tactically, they decide to park the bus, which... Alex, I think you said this, the talent this England squad has, especially going forward, and, and I'm going to na- mention some names here that didn't see the pitch on the start, which is, is difficult in itself, but you've got the likes of Grealish, you've got the likes of Sancho, you've got the likes of Phil Foden, you've got the likes of Saka who did come on, and ironically, it doesn't really make sense. As the game progressed, 1-1, we go in, and England is sitting super deep. The first change he makes is Saka for Kieran Trippier. And Rahul and Alex, I think we were all chatting and texting going, what's the significance of this change? We're, we're taking off a right wing back for another right wing back and Saka, who's not really a right wing back. I mean, Alex, I'll bring you in here to try to, uh, to understand this. Yeah, I, I don't really know what he was doing. And I think that's, that's kind of the issue. Now, I will say seeing as I, I don't really credit Southgate sometimes for the performances the English players do put in when they're good, or rather maybe the goals scored, for example, because I don't think Southgate was responsible for that second minute goal. I mean, sometimes you say, oh, that's exactly how the manager drew it up. Um, that set piece was perfect. The tactics were perfect. That was Italy not quite recovering or being set up or having their heads in the game yet. Brilliant passing play by Kane, who did wonderfully creating a couple chances from deep in that game. Um, But I think that was down to the quick thinking and skill of the England players to come out roaring like the three lions. They came out hard. They went for it. They grabbed a great goal, but I'm not crediting personally Southgate for that goal. Maybe I'm crediting him for firing up the players, but England got that goal. And so with that in mind, I will not, if I'm not crediting Southgate for goals, I won't credit him for, I won't, disparage him i suppose for goals conceded i'll attribute those to the players too but when it's one before it's one one at one nil you have to ask the question of tactics because that's where you can question the manager and as you said jackie you have to ask the question of substitutions so i'm not going to credit southgate for the goals england scores i'm not going to disparage him for the goals they conceded but what we saw from him was a very passive approach to the second half And what we saw from him was also some very questionable, I mean, lack of ambition in the subs in in some sense when you had still Grealish, Sancho, Foden, Rashford sitting on the bench. So at 1-0, I texted my friend at halftime. I said, they're not going to go another 45 without conceding. You have to put on that attacking talent. Guess what happened? 1-1. But even then at 1-1, England were not really throwing it all out there because I had a feeling that if it went to pens, England were not coming out on top. And I think they just had to push harder for the a convincing win within full time. Yeah, I mean, those are some great points. And honestly, Rahul or Alex, I forget who touched on it. When you look at the benches for Italy and England, I think England have a star-studded bench. And no disrespect to the Italian national team. I think they have a good bench, but maybe not the attacking quality. I mean, Italy played this whole tournament without an out-and-out striker or an out-and-out number nine or number 10, like a Kane, like a Lukaku, players that can lead the line and really do things. Immobile is great, don't get me wrong, but he plays more of as a supporting striker sometimes. 
So you look at the changes and, okay, Saka comes on for Kieran Trippier and we're all scratching our heads and we're excited for the next change. And then Rahul Jordan Henderson comes on next for Rice, who arguably was dominating that England midfield, maybe even keeping them in the game. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, everything was a reaction to what Italy were doing. It was like, oh, we've just conceded a goal. Let me throw Saka on and go to a back four. And so it was never like Alex said and you said, it was never the intention to change it until something Italy did. It was never like, we have one, let's change it and go get the second one. I can always switch it back to a back five. Uh, and the subs were, I think he made them, but he made them to still defend and still keep it tight. Like Saka comes on, but you know Saka is going to track back more than Grealish or Sancho. If Henderson comes on, it's basically a more defensive sub than Rice in the sense that Rice was at least going forward and, and trying to help out. I remember a couple of dribbles in the opposition box. Uh, but Henderson, you know, is just going to stay, keep it tight. Um, and then I think at that point, too, when Henderson was about to come out, the commentator said Mount was about to head off. He thought it was his turn to go, and he sees Rice is going off, and that threw him off a little bit. And that tells you that the players almost knew what the subs were going to be like. He changed it up at the last minute, but I think he got his subs totally wrong. I even texted you and I said, I think I would bring Rashford on, bring on some pace, bring on someone that can stretch this Italian back line. We know Bonucci and Chiellini are great, but we spoke about Emerson in the buildup in the preview episode that defensively he is suspect. And we never once exploited that as, as an England fan or someone that was supporting them. Uh, and so I think the subs were totally wrong. He eventually, when he brings on uh, Rashford and Sancho, it's way too late in the game. It's really, you know, you're doing it for the penalties, but you're not giving them an opportunity to get into the game, feel the game, maybe put in a tackle, you know, just get involved in the game. They're just coming on to kick a ball in the last minute. Uh, and so his his substitutions were totally wrong. And I'm not like getting overly critical of him because I did support him. I do support him. But when he is wrong, you've got to call him out and say he got it wrong. Yeah, I can be overly critical because I saw Marcus Rashford playing right wing back at one point, And I was texting you guys and going, what is going on here? Marcus Rashford was making some tackles of right wing back. And we were sitting with our fingers crossed being like, just kick the ball out. Just <laughs> get out there. But we're heaping some negative information or criticism on Gareth Southgate. Alex... Mancini, you know, he's got a history of being a top, top coach. And like we've touched on already, he didn't have the strongest bench or maybe a strong bench as compared to England, but he seems to get his substitutions right and keep the team ticking. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely top class in this game. And the thing is, you concede that early goal and everyone's like, oh, Italy have blown this. It really is coming home. I mean, <laughs> I, I was I was nervous. Rahul had the screenshot on my face when that goal went in. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, when that goal went in, I, I said uh, uh, half jokingly, uh, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll claim it was in full confidence uh, on my own post that when Mexico scored in the second minute versus the U.S., it resulted in a U.S. comeback win. Now. I, I don't know. It was fully within England. I, I truly do think, even even though I, I don't fully believe in Southgate's tactical aptitude at this moment, I fully believe that between him and the players, they could have seen out that result. But Mancini got his players back in the match. 
clearly delivered the right words, the right tactics. The team actually just went out to play. And I mean, that was, that was what was clear really from, from the possession statistics that was clear from the expected goals, the chances created. It was just not a performance that, that made you, as we've said, it, it, it's easy to heap negative stuff on, on Southgate, but you, you said, um, we've mentioned a few times that maybe it was a slightly reactive performance from England. And I think that's what you often see at the club level as well. You talk about less experienced managers reacting to the decisions of more experienced managers. So uh, maybe to our Chelsea fans out there to throw one more comparison, this is like when we say, oh, Tuchel has bested Guardiola three times. Every single time Guardiola was kept on his toes forced to react now that's a slightly different example because i am not comparing southgate to guardiola <laughs> mind you. but it's so clear that the teams who really try to dictate play and the managers who really try to enforce their style generally come out on top and 34 percent possession for an england side that with that much attacking talent is not acceptable in my opinion and that's over the entire game in the second half england created 0.14 expected goals now that's just like that's unfathomable to me with when you're talking i mean you could create two you could create three probably premier league starting quality front lines with the england players at his disposal i just can't reckon with the fact that england went into the second half with a one goal lead and said let's create 0.14 expected goals Italy in that time had 1.62, got the equalizer, brought it to pens and won. So I, I don't even know what to say. I think it's just, it just needs to be better. And I truly think Southgate is not the one to lead England out in the future, but maybe I'm being too harsh. No, I mean, honestly, Alex, everything you've said really has left me disappointed. Maybe is the right term, given the talent, given the previous tournaments and it's pretty sad to see that they started off on fire and then almost gradually tucked into a shell and never came out from there. Rahul, do you want to take us through the penalties? Because I think that will lead us to a discussion about what happened with online criticism after the penalties were done. But maybe let's start with the penalties there because it kicks off with our very own uh, uh, Jorginho ending of the game. But let's let's go ahead and get go through it right here. Yeah, so... It, so, I mean, at that point, Italy had supped off there. All the three starting players that started their attack were off. And so you're thinking it's really a backup, you know, squad coming through to take the penalties uh, compared to an England squad where you have the likes of Kane, Rashford. Uh, but we start off and Berardi steps up and gets the first one for Italy. Harry Kane comes up for England, does what he does, scores, and it's 1-1. Uh, and then Bellotti, who had come on uh, for Italy, misses. Uh, and it's funny, when he stepped up, my wife and I were watching it. I'm like, I think he's going to miss. Because you could just tell from his face that he wasn't fancying it. And he missed. And then Harry Maguire. And at that point, I'm like, of all the players in the squad, why is Harry Maguire second? But he buries it. I mean, he broke the camera, like we've seen um, <laughs> on, on social media. And it becomes 2-1 to England. And once again, England have the advantage after two penalties each. And then Benucci steps up. Uh, and does well in scores, and it's 2-2, but England still have to take the third one, and Rashford, who had come on for this specific moment, uh, steps up, and his his run-up was a little weird. I told my wife again, I'm like, it doesn't, like, he stood right behind the ball, and then went out and came back in, and 
hits the post. Uh, if he's a little bit further in, it goes in because Donnarumma had gone the opposite direction, but he misses. Uh, Benadershi steps up for Italy, makes it 3-2. Jaden Sancho then steps up, misses. Uh, and it then comes to Jorginho, and it's like, all right, like this is the penalty specialist. It's once again coming down to him. And Pickford actually does well. You've got to give him credit. Waited till the last minute and, and dived the right way and saved Jorginho's penalty. And this is the most concerning part for me is because I thought, all right, a Grealish is going to come. A Sterling is going to come. And comes up comes 19-year-old Bukayo Saka. And I'm thinking, while he's stepping up, I'm thinking, have I seen this kid take a penalty? Like, has he ever stepped up for Arsenal? No. He hadn't. And you could tell because he was nervous. He takes a penalty, but Donnarumma dives the right direction. It wasn't in a corner. It wasn't placed properly. And I'm not criticizing Saka. Please don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm just saying at that stage, as the fifth penalty taker, the pressure, the home nation, the eyes on you, it all just got to him. Uh, and Donnarumma makes the save and Italy win it. You know, Rahul, I, I, I have to 100% agree with you. I don't think anybody is criticizing Saka, but we'll talk about people who are in just a moment here. But it comes back to what Alex is saying about Southgate and his choices. And a lot of things have come out after the fact about, well, why did Jack Grealish not decide to step up and take a penalty? And Jack Grealish was very quick to respond and say, I'm here to take a penalty. And I'm not criticizing the gaffer, meaning Southgate, or the boss, meaning Southgate. He made the choices. I'm happy with the choices, but don't throw this on me. So we come back to the same question. Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Bukayo Saka. All three came on with the intention of taking penalties. All three <laughs> missed penalties. Again, look, penalties is anybody's game, guys. I'm not coming here to say that England lost this because of just penalties. They lost this before we went to penalties because England did not make the right choices, did not make the right substitutions. But you've got to think for a minute in the fact that we took off Declan Rice, Rahul, who you mentioned earlier, might have been a better penalty taker for Jordan Henderson, who then comes off as well for one of these other guys. And then we're sitting there going, Jordan Henderson, Henderson can also take pens. Henderson can also take penalties because he's been there, done that in big moments. So you're sitting here wondering, and you're almost, I know you've already issued your apology, Rahul, but you're almost looking at Alex and be like, maybe Alex was right about some of the decisions Southgate is making. Where is all of this coming from? So Alex, maybe your two cents first. Yeah, I mean, I've I've slandered this poor man enough. I, I don't want to go too hard on Southgate because, I, as I've said, I can completely appreciate the positive side to it, and I have come around a little bit in that I've I've told you and many others, this tournament requires seven games to get to the final. If you play in the final, you've played seven games. As we saw with England, you don't even have to win all seven games. You could you could win five games and have won the Euros. So. If a, play, if, if a manager comes in and, and they get the squad all performing and they get the guys believing in it, they get the nation believing in it, fair play to them. But I truly, legitimately believe Southgate's decisions cost them this match. And as you said, I think, I think this, this, this match was lost earlier than penalties. But even on penalties, when you have Jack Grealish, who's in his prime, used to pressure, he steps up in big moments for his club, he's easily a, a higher profile player at this point than than Saka no disrespect to Saka why are you not letting him take a penalty um and I mean full credit and, and bravery to to Saka for choosing to step up there but this really 
I mean, I'm no Arsenal follower. So for me, this was his breakout season in on an Arsenal side of things as well. This was the season people really started talking about him as a true star boy up there with the best in the league. Um, and he's he's been doing brilliantly. I think he's fantastically talented. But you have someone who's been in high pressure situations before, arguably a more talented player in terms of just current time in his career. I, I, I can't even, I don't know. I, I don't know why Grealish doesn't end up taking it, but who, who knows? I think it's a little tough because it's easy to criticize if Saka had banged that away or just happened to guess the other side, we'd be saying what a legend and hero he is. And, you know, Southgate, it was a tough decision, but Southgate did brilliantly to choose him to select the pen. So, you know, it's easy to criticize after the fact, but I just don't see the logic in it. Yeah, neither do I. But again, like I repeated, for penalties, it's anybody's game. So it is what it is. Rahul, I want to talk about maybe your background now for a few minutes here. And I'm going to read a quote here from Boris Johnson, who's the Prime Minister of England. And then I'll have your thoughts on it. You'll give us a breakdown. I'm going to read the quote first. And Boris Johnson says, to those that racially abused our English players, I say, shame on you. And I hope you crawl under the rock from which you emerged. So I think that's a very powerful statement. And maybe you can take us away from here. Yeah, look, it's it's tough to talk about this because the minute Saka misses that penalty, you know there's going to be backlash towards him. There's going to be backlash towards the other guys that stepped up and and missed. And that's the tough part of it is we know English fans and fans around the world, but specifically in this case, English fans are passionate. You know, they love their country. They love their clubs. But whenever something goes wrong with either of those sides or, or teams, there's racial abuse that comes up. And for the past 18 months, we've seen players take the knee and, and the message has been no racism and no space for racism in the game. But this still keeps happening. And what is disturbing to me is that when England win, it's all good. Everyone's English. Everyone's part of the team, part of the nation. But when they don't, specific groups are targeted because of the skin of their color. We saw, like you said, Saka, Sancho, Rashford, even Sterling, who was fabulous throughout the tournament. Yes, he had a quiet game, but they just had to vent out, let out their frustrations. And it's not going to end. It's this, this problem isn't about going back into a rock. I think we have to open up that rock, educate people, and at least on social media, find out who these people are because it's easy for someone to go behind the computer and send out these tweets and messages and then continue with their day like nothing's happened. But once we know who it is, it's going to change the whole game. People are, are going to stop this behavior. Players are going to feel more safer online. We had Reese James who went off social media for a little bit because he got abused for just posting a picture about how training went. And so I think English fans... Yes, there's a line between passion and being hateful, but too often they end up on the hateful side and that's concerning and there has to be a solution to it. Someone has to come together, football authorities, social media, clubs, and say anyone found guilty once obviously the social media portion has come into place where we can identify will be banned. No more of this happens. Uh, and the other thing I, we saw was Italian fans are getting beat up for just supporting their country. Again, what are you doing, fans? Like, English fans need to get this together. If you had won, celebrate in a respectful fashion, just like the Italians did. And if you lost, accept it, 
and move on. Yeah, I've got to say it's it's with a heavy heart that we talk about these items because honestly, both the racial abuse, which we have to talk about, and the physical abuse of English fans assaulting the Italian fans is quite frankly disgusting. I think as fans, and Alex, I'll bring you in here, there's a fine line between what we call banter, which is poking fun back and forth of each other and making jokes here and there, just like you and Rahul did over who was going to win and who was going to apologize over the win and loss versus bringing out abuse over the color of your skin or bringing out physical abuse because your team didn't win in a final. I mean, it's quite ridiculous. And I know it's a tough subject to talk about, but I think it's something that we do need to bring up on this podcast. And Alex, I'd like to bring you in here. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. And you can understand with people getting so emotionally invested and having a whole country. I mean, it's, it's almost predictable from the moment you hear or you see the half joking, sure, but the it's coming home uh, chants and memes and comments and shouts from before the tournaments even started. You can tell that the entire country are just on a pure passionate track to back these players. And that's great, except for when things don't go well, it turns from backing these players into, oh, these guys who I was just cheering for the entire tournament. I mean, I, I guarantee you some of the people putting up disgusting messages and leaving hateful remarks were the exact same ones throwing their beers in the air when Raheem Sterling, of the exact same skin color of these people who they were abusing, scored all these winners to get England to the final. I, it just does not make sense. It's ridiculous. It's disgusting behavior. And I mean, I can even understand, obviously no, no online hate is ever merited, but I can even understand if someone's frustrated enough to go to a player's profile and say, uh, whatever, you, you had a crap game or whatever. Or like, you probably shouldn't do it. Online abuse is never the answer, but, but just like stooping that extra millimeter lower or God knows how many feet lower to then bring someone's skin color into it, background, it's or personal attacks and threats on their family, as we've seen with with plenty of players, Chelsea players included. Um, we saw Murata earlier in the in the tournament from for Spain, who was getting his family was getting threats for poor performances. It's just unbelievable when it goes beyond criticizing the game itself, because you know we're, we're content creators. You could call us. We'll criticize a player for a bad pass. We'll say, okay, Messi didn't have a great Copa America the final we'll say oh one of our Chelsea boys didn't show up in this game when we wanted him to but there's just no excuse ever to go after someone personally for any reason whatsoever because these guys have literally devoted their entire lives and careers to entertaining us so you know I'm I guess I'm with Boris there crawl under the rocks but at the same time I'm also with Rahul lift those rocks and expose these people to the light because goodness, we, we need some accountability here. Yeah, definitely a difficult situation. So I really don't know where to go from here. And I don't want to end on such a sour note. But again, congratulations to Italy. Congratulations, Alex, you called it from gee, I want to say the round of 16, your bracket that we posted on Instagram, really showed that you know what football is and that it's coming Rome, maybe in this particular case. <laughs> Rahul, do you want to talk about the Fantasy League update, maybe, for just a few seconds? I do, and we do have a winner. 
Uh, and actually he has reached out to us and we've set up his prize and, and his winnings, but that is Sagar Ghosh. And I think his team name is Hakka Army. I'm going to pull it up right now. Give me just a second. Uh, but it was a fun, even last round, I, I had Luke Shaw and Bonucci who both scored. Ooh. So I was like, all right, I'm about to make some jumps here. But everyone else on my team didn't really perform. <laughs> um, and that's not because I had mainly English players. But all right, yeah. So first place is Hakka Army, Sagar Ghosh. Congratulations. Finishes the, the Fantasy League with 409 points. Wow. And in second place, we had Curious Jorginho, who finished at 397. So a uh, little bit of a gap, but a couple more performances, and maybe he could have finished first. But once again, congratulations to Hakka Army. Uh, we will be sending you your prize very, very soon. Uh, and in terms of where we finished, um, Alex, I don't know if you have the app again. I, I do not yet. I have to sacrifice <laughs> it again for content purposes. Um, so I will let you know. I believe you finished in 30th. Oh, okay. not bad, Alex. Yeah, so he finished with 291 points. Uh, I made it to 60th. Wow. With 250. And then I we can wor- skip where I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say your name. I was just going to say I weren't a win this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jackie, I realize you didn't make any changes. I did not, no. In this last uh, round. So, you finished. Uh, I was 103rd. Oh, I was doing like, let me just keep scrolling. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't, you don't want to scroll through much. I was 103rd with 208 points. But look, congratulations to our gentlemen out there that won this tournament. But the fact that I'm 103rd. I want to thank all the listeners and all the fans that participated because we had a huge turnout in this particular game. So, and thank you to Alex and Signables for helping with this particular gift. It's been amazing. So thank you guys all, but I'm excited to do this for the fantasy Premier League as well. Yeah, me too. It's going to be a little more manageable with with the rules. (laughs) Agreed. I think think hopefully we'll get some good engagement there. Um, I'm sure we can sort out a nice prize for the winner over the course of a season. Um, But yeah, well, I guess this this showed. You know what I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this Euros fantasy showed us who the who the Southgates are. I want to see (laughs) who Guardiola's are. I want to see who can manage a team over the course of an entire season and not just seven games. So congrats to the winner. Congrats to the high placers, but the game is now on for the fantasy premier league. Um, We'll, we'll get a league set up soon and we'll get that info out to you because this is, this is going to be a good fight. Fair enough. Now guys, we want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up and that's Chelsea preseason. But before we get there, I'm going to throw a quick question to both of you gentlemen and Just a quick guess on who your player of the tournament was. We know that officially Donnarumma was selected as the player of the tournament for the Euros, but maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Rahul, I'll start with you if you have a player of the tournament. I I mean, I do agree with Donnarumma. He's been pretty solid, uh, made that winning save for Italy, but uh, one player we didn't touch on in this for the final was Chiellini. And at 36 years old, he tore his ACL two years ago. For him to bounce back from that, make it into the tournament, make it play pretty much every game, play extra time in a few games, play another extra time in the final, uh, and keep Harry Kane quiet, keep Saka quiet. We've seen the images. Um, 
I think for me, he was very, very solid. And uh, I mean, uh, Jose Mourinho said it, him and Bonucci could teach into class on defending. Uh, and they showed it even at this age, I think combined, they're 70 years old. <laughs> um, but with him, and we've seen it with Thiago Silva, they're aging like fine wines and, and doing the business. So for me, I'm going to go with Chiellini, just plainly on the fact that he put in performances game after game, taking nothing away from Donnarumma and no. Jorginho. Yep, great shout. Alex, for you? Yeah, I mean, naturally, I think I would go with Jorginho. I think if he iced that penalty, it's probably a good thing because I, 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 I think I lost a couple hundred English followers for my <laughs> talent support. I probably would have lost a couple thousand if, if Jorginho had scored with the amount I'd be posting about him. But, you know, he had a fantastic tournament. I think he certainly deserves some appreciation. I think he probably should have got player of the tournament. Um, unfortunate maybe that Chiesa got injured in the final because if he'd stayed on and maybe scored a penalty, I think he would have been right up there in the shouts. He had a great, um, especially in those those knockout stages, he was really turning up. And he was a spark plug for Italy. So um, well done to him. Well done to Jorginho. For me, it's got to be J5 or I suppose J8 for the uh, Italian national team. But I believe I I put in a request with my dad uh, for a a, a Christmas present Italy Jorginho kit because I think that's one for the collector's collector's edition. Um, I, I... I think he showed his class and I, I will fully admit that the, the Ballon d'Or shouts for him are half joking from my side. <laughs> Only half. We'll see how he does this fall because he's got a pretty good spring and summer down. Um, but I, I think he definitely deserves some appreciation. And I think a lot of people uh, needed, needed this win to see a little bit more of, of what he makes look so easy. Great shouts, guys. I mean, there are a lot of great players that really turned up in this tournament. Raheem Sterling really turned up for me. Cristiano Ronaldo at his age, Raul, you talked on Chiellini, continues to bring the bucks. Marco Verratti was somebody who surprised me as well. But looking at it, I think I'm going to have to agree with Alex, guys. For me, Jorginho, just because throughout the course of a season, he gets criticized quite a bit and and I have to put my hand up and say I'm probably one of those people that criticize him as well but he really dominated midfields and he really set the tempo that allowed Italy to play their football and really perform some serious serious talent out there so for me I'm going to support Alex on this one support Jorginho J5 and maybe he'll win the Ballon d'Or we don't know we'll see but well there's just just a just a slightly heap on that Jorginho prop (laughs) We talked about uh, we talked about Italy conceding a little too much possession. Uh, no, England rather conceding a little too much possession, not creating enough, not dominating the game, sitting back. And people call Jorginho a pass merchant, a possession merchant. He doesn't do anything. Well, Italy pulled sixty six percent possession and seven hundred twenty nine passes to England's three hundred nineteen. Passing and possession clearly allowed Italy to dictate the way this final went, as it did previously in the tournament. So for me, that's almost like what Rahul was saying about Messi. If Jorginho is going to get criticized for the bad performances, he should be at least praised for the good ones. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm happy he proved some doubters wrong in this one. Indeed, but Forza Italia, they make it through with the European Championship. Rahul, last thing before we wrap up the podcast, maybe is the Chelsea preseason. The boys are back with Thomas Tuchel. You got some information for us? 
They are. And last week we saw images and there was three players. And like, I think Tuchel was joking about two. He was like three players and 18 coaches. Uh, but that has changed today. Most of the players are back. We saw Pulisic back. If you haven't checked it out, uh, go to Alex's page. You'll see him in our new training kit, which matches the Dortmund colors. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, and then Ruben Lotz's cheek. It was good to see him. Connor Gallagher, Malung Sar, Kepa, Alonso, the usual suspects are back. Uh, so it's good to see them coming back. And I think tomorrow, from what I read, is the first double session for the boys. So uh, preseason is starting and, and getting in full swing. Obviously, the guys that made it deep into the Euros won't be joining them for another few weeks. Uh, but it's good to see them back. And now already I'm like looking forward to the Premier League season because today was the first day with no games on. And I'm like, all right, like, what do I do? Uh, so I'm looking forward to the preseason games and, and also looking forward to the Premier League coming back. Uh, for now, that wraps it up, guys. It's been a great episode. Uh, Alex got his apology. I was hoping I would be the one getting it. But either way, <laughs> congratulations again to Alex, to Italy. Uh, it, was been, it was a great tournament. And uh, we'll now focus on Chelsea from this point forward. So... Uh, big transfer music is coming up next episode, and uh, we'll keep you tuned up with that on our page. Follow Alex as well at Pulisic FC 22 uh, and stay safe. And we will be back next week to do just an update on how things are going. But until then, stay safe and up the chelps.